Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, it's Dr. Lowe. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Lowe Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. So happy to have you joining me for another episode. I had a blast over the weekend. I was at JJ Virgin's Mindshare Mastermind event here in San Diego. So nice that I didn't have to travel for it and was able to spend a lot of time just hanging with and just brainstorming with other health professionals, people in the health industry, and just had so much fun. Have a lot of amazing guests coming on future episodes, and also have a lot of great ideas for how to make this podcast even better. And um, so I'm excited to share all of that with you guys. Thank you so, so much for all the support and also for all the reviews over on the iTunes um, podcast app. It means the world to me. If you have been listening to the show and you're enjoying it, please head over to iTunes, leave me a five-star review and tell me that the show is awesome or whatever you think else about the show. And I'm open to... um, any feedback and suggestions as well. And I so appreciate all of that. Um, I, I'm very excited that we've had the most reviews that we've had in the last um, few weeks than I've had um, in any future weeks or months for the podcast. So kind of putting myself out there and asking for that, it's it's definitely paying off. So I appreciate all the, the love and support from you guys. And Tonight's show is going to be a really fun topic. Um, I'm interviewing a good friend of mine, Diane Sanfilippo. She's been on the show before, and it's really just kind of conversational. It's a discussion about her new book coming out. Actually, it's her revised um, Balance Bites book and uh, some of the new features she has in the book. And we also talk about a lot of practical things when it comes to practical paleo of, okay, well, what about when you are eating out with friends or when you're going to a party? What about when you want to eat healthy and maybe your partner doesn't really have the same values? Or what about raising kids and wanting to you know, bring in nutrition and health into, you know, things that they value and, and what if they're finicky eaters? And so these are just things that we talk about on the show tonight. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun and, uh, just kind of like hanging out with us on the air. If you are new to the show, welcome. You can learn more about me over at shinenaturalmedicine.com. That's my practice here in San Diego. I work with patients here in the area and all over the country via phone and Skype. And also, if you've been working with a doctor and maybe aren't really getting the results you want, or maybe you want to dive into this world of naturopathic medicine and look into it for yourself, and really you learn so much about your body when you dive into all of this and do some of the testing and really getting to the root of your health, it is so empowering. So you can learn more about me again over at shinenaturalmedicine.com. Also, I have a free gift for anyone listening to head over to drlaurennoel.com for my free ebook called Wired But Tired. And this is all about how to set your day up in ways that's going to really allow you to have energy from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to sleep and not getting that afternoon crash or feeling like you have to rely on coffee to feel like a human being. It's what it's all about. And I share in this ebook what I do to have energy throughout the day. So it's all about my daily practices and, and I really attempt to practice what I preach. So if you want to learn a little bit more about what I do throughout the day, head over to drlaurennoel.com. That's D-R-L-A-U-R-E-N. N-O-E-L.com for my free ebook. You can sign up there and have it sent right to your inbox. All right. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. 
We have the amazing Diane Sanfilippo on the show. Super excited to have her returning uh, on Dr. Low Radio again. And she's a good friend of mine. She is the owner and founder of Balance Bites. She's a certified nutrition consultant and New York Times bestselling author of Practical Paleo, The 21 Day Sugar Detox, and the co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Diane holds a BS from Syracuse University and is certified in holistic nutrition from Bowman College. Holistic Lifestyle Coaching from the Czech Institute, and Poliquin Biosignature Modulation. She writes for her popular health blog, BalancedBites.com, which is beautiful and educational. And she is co-host of the top-rated weekly health podcast, The Balanced Bites Podcast, available free on iTunes. And coming up September 6th, Diane will be releasing an updated and expanded second edition of her runaway hit, Practical Paleo, which has sold over half a million copies, whoa, and spent a total, crazy, spent a total of 97 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Dang, girl. Welcome back on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you. I mean, we chat all the time, but <laughs> not like this. So Mostly on yeah, Snapchat. Really really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly just uh, capturing cute little things about our pets and food and <laughs> Stitch Fix fashion decisions, but (laughs) yeah. So, wow. What has it been like just having that crazy whirlwind of success with, with, um, with practical paleo? And I mean, was it so much more than you expected it would be? Um, yeah. I mean, even when you read more than half a million copies, I kind of like, I know that number intellectually, but it just, I don't, I can't really I can't wrap my head around it. That's a lot of people. (laughs) I don't really understand that because I don't know all of those people and it's everybody's aunt and cousin and coworker, you know, which, um, when I wrote the book four years ago, that was the intention that not the book wasn't for people who already knew about paleo and were eating paleo, which as you know, and I believe people who are already doing it, there's still so much to learn just about how our body works, our blood sugar, our digestion. Like most people who come into this whole paleo thing, kind of have a list of foods to eat or not eat, mm-hmm. but then really understanding how your body should work uh, between things like blood sugar, digestion, and satiety and all of that good stuff. The basics of it, I, I mean, I've always felt very strongly that if you already know about paleo, you're going to learn a ton from this book. But my intention was that, you know, all my friends and and, you know, gym colleagues and all these people would be able to share this book with their friends and family who ask questions or who really the people I wanted to target the most were the people with objections and the ones who come from a doctor's appointment with a diagnosis and say, well, I can't do that because I have XYZ condition, like they're self-identifying with their health condition or their diagnosis. And that was the reason for that fully fleshed out center part of the book part two, which has all the meal plans that are very clinically um, arranged and, you know, intended to support different diagnoses, Mm -hmm. which, you know, the average person crossfitting and eating paleo is maybe flipping through that part, but then maybe not, maybe they have an autoimmune condition. Maybe somebody they know says, well, can paleo help with this? And this person says, yes, and here's a resource. You know, and you know, as a naturopathic doctor, like so many doctors are using it as a resource because they don't need to write down a nutrition plan for someone. You can just point someone to the book. Right. And, or, you know, you have people who uh, don't know why they're taking all these supplements. And then in the book, I'm actually outlining what different things do. So anyway, long story short, 
I had no idea what it would do. Like who, whoever knows, I, you know, I didn't have some grand plan or some like, you know, I don't know, marketing scheme or any of that. It was just, I wrote a book that I felt people needed and it turned out that they also wanted it. And, you know, it's not an accident that I create content the way that I do. It's very intentional to serve a purpose and serve people who need the help and the answers. But Um, I'm, I'm extremely grateful to the community who've embraced this book. They call it the paleo Bible and they're like, you know, it's my favorite and I take it with me all over. And I just think that that's, it's just, it's overwhelming. And I think it's amazing, but I, I can't, I almost feel like I can't really take credit for that because yeah, I I wrote this book, but I feel like the power is in the community who have just embraced it as like, it's the book of the people, you know, it's like, it's their book. And, um, I, I just think that's amazing and humbling, you know? Absolutely. And so over the years, since you released the book, you said some, some things have kind of surfaced up and and that's why you decided to, uh, to, you know, do the second edition. So what, why did you decide to do the second edition and what are some of the things that you wanted to address in the, the next one? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've been doing the balance bites podcast now for almost five years, I think think we're in like the 250 episodes somewhere. And I'm like, I can't even do that math. How many (laughs) many years, but it's been a long time. And, and that's a really good touch point for seeing what kinds of questions people have, because we have tons of new people coming into the community all the time and tons of people who've been with us for years and years. And of course there are always the questions, which I'm sure, you know, because you get as, you know, in your practice as well as on the podcast about, you know, I'm doing everything right and I can't lose weight, but when we look at other questions that we get all the time, because I'm not the person who's going to really be micromanaging weight loss, you know, like I have big picture things I can address with people to help with that. But when it gets down to micromanaging it, that's not me. It's Mm -hmm. not my role or my passion, but, um, the big questions that come up all the time every week is, um, my husband's not supportive or my family thinks I'm crazy or my kids won't eat this, or I'm having trouble figuring out what to do because I, uh, you know, I want to go paleo, but it's just too hard to do it all at once. Or just a lot of the tactical, practical things, as well as a lot of the psychological things that are going on with just change, just making change, because that's really what we're doing. And food is, I mean, anybody who's um, been in a new relationship, which I'm sure tons of people listening have been married for years and it like doesn't happen, but you know, cause they're not meeting someone new, but like, imagine, you know, you first start dating someone, food is like 90% of your relationship because you're constantly, you know, you're going out to eat, whatever. And so we forget that it's still this huge part of our day. It's like everything that we do it touches with food. You know what I mean? Like whether it's just our job or our, you know, um, family interactions, everything we do. And so when we want to change our food and that might present some challenges to the people around you, it's, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And so, you know, I don't want to glaze over it. Like it's not a big deal. Uh, and so I'm addressing a lot of that in the new edition. And so anyway, I wanted to essentially, ensure that this book is as much of a resource as it has been for the last four years in the next however many years, because Mm. people, you know, constantly are pointing people to it. This wasn't like, Oh, it's not selling anymore. Let me change it and fix it because it's still been, you know, tons of copies sell every single week. Mm -hmm. And 
actually, that's one of the reasons why I was like, this is important that I make this the best presentation I can of what I think people need to know, what they want to know, what will continue to support them because it's still, people are still sharing it to that degree. So it needs to still be also the best representation of what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. Like if I have new insights and I'm not making that as easily available to people as possible, then I feel like I'm not doing my job. And so, um, between expanding the front part of the book, um, part one, which I always kind of joke is like the reading part, you know, because mm-hmm. then there's the recipes and meal plans. Um, I went back in and fleshed out further the four R protocol, which has always been in the book, but it's talking about removing offending foods, which is what we always do in paleo, um, and going through repairing the gut, re-inoculating, and then reintroducing, which again, it's always been there, but I think people kind of glaze over that and go right from removing to reintroducing, which I've, I'm definitely guilty of that too. And for some people that's totally fine. Um, but for some people, if it's not working and they're finding that they're always allergic to so many foods or intolerant, whatever, um, we might need to go through the, all four of those steps. Right. And, um, also going through, you know, what if you don't want to go from today to tomorrow, like today you're not paleo tomorrow, you're paleo. What if that's not a good approach for you? Or what if it's not a good approach for your parents, for example, who you want to encourage to make healthier choices, but asking them to throw away everything they've been eating for the last 30 to 60 or 70 years (laughs) is pretty unrealistic. Right. But, but if you can take the, um, if you can take the Benacol out of their fridge and replace it with real butter mm-hmm. and kind of remind them of what was on the table when they were a kid and, you know, really t- take small steps, I'm giving people, here's where to start. And fats and oils is really where to start. Um, but I'm giving people the steps of like, here's the first thing to change. Practically speaking, this food group, change this first and then go from there. Right. Um, and I'm giving the options of like how to either do it all at once or do it gradually. And then a lot of uh, what we're going to talk about more today, like getting into this living a paleo lifestyle, like dealing with family and friends. What if you want to invite them to try it with you? Um, How do you do that in a (laughs) non-crazy, proselytizing, intimidating way? Um, (laughs) Eating paleo with kids, dealing with unsupportive friends and family. That stuff has all come up so much in the past four years. Um, and then, you know, we can talk about it more later, but other things I wanted to update in the book, adding some more meal plans for adrenal health. We know this is probably like one of the biggest topics that people are curious about today, mm-hmm. stress management and adrenal health, which is probably of all the content in the book is the thing that I have the most intimate connection to because I've gone through it multiple yeah. times. And, um, you know, so I have a lot to say about that, but then, uh, healthy hormones and liver detox support, which I know are all subjects really close to your heart and your practice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then expanding the recipes with, with stuff that people want to make, that they've told me they want to make some slow cooker recipes, stuff that uses ground meat and chicken breasts, really easy to find ingredients with some fun, creative new options. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot going on. It feels like an entirely new book. I know some people are like, well, I already have the first one, which is cool. You don't have to get it. I'm not, you know me, I'm not like ever going to shove something down people's throats and say, you have to get this. But honestly, if you loved the first one, use it as, you know, something to share with a friend and then you will love this book because there's just so much more in it. And it does feel like a totally new book mm-hmm. um, to me. I feel like I rewrote the book. I mean, yeah. I feel like I wrote it again. So, and the world of nutrition yeah. changes so fast and we learn, I mean, we, we really know the tip of the iceberg when it comes to nutrition and natural medicine and, and the body. 
And so there's more and more information coming out all the time. And I love that you are touching a bit more on the psychology of, of the eating and, and that really food is not meant to create contention or separation from people. It's meant to bring us together. And unfortunately, a lot of times when we do make this big lifestyle change and decide to eat better for ourselves, okay, well, what does that do to the rest of the family or to the relationship? I mean, it, it brings up a whole lot of issues. Yeah, it totally does. And, you know, sometimes it illuminates things that people were kind of sweeping under the rug and sometimes Mm -hmm. it really shakes things up and in relationships. And, you know, sometimes it, it causes you not even sometimes most of the time it causes you to take a good hard look at the way we communicate with, you know, those around us, whether, you know, whether we're actually saying things that are on our mind or not. Um, if we're sensitive to people around us, how much we're trying to change other people versus allowing them to go through their own natural progression of desire for change and then making it happen. And it's just, Mm. I mean, look, this is not a book about all of that. I have, you know, a chapter on this stuff and giving people really practical ways and some language to use. But, uh, I do think it's just a big conversation to have. And, um, I think it's worthwhile that, you know, we support people through that. Yeah. Why is it that you, in your opinion, why do you think that people can react poorly, you know, when they find that their friends or loved ones announce that they're making a healthy lifestyle change? Um, I think a hundred percent, it has to do with the way we feel about our own decisions, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think, and I think we can probably feel this, uh, you and I personally, and probably a lot of your listeners who feel very confident with their own decisions, um, we don't really feel super threatened when someone else is making a change because we feel comfortable and confident and happy with what we're doing. But if you know, or you can remember how you felt before you probably ate this way, um, when someone around you is like, I'm trying to get healthier, it somehow makes us feel like we're not as good of a person or we should be trying to be healthier too, or it it just basically reflects back on us what we're not doing Mm. or parts of ourselves that we question or we wish we could change or want to change. And so all it does is just illuminate what's going on with us. I mean, that's the same of so much that's out there, right? I mean, it's just, that's what happens. And so, um, it also just, it's uncomfortable for people who, maybe aren't ready for changes to then be forced into changes. So, you know, you start buying different food at the grocery store and now, you know, for you, you were ready for that change, but maybe your kids really weren't ready for it, which (laughs) kind of have a lot to say about that too. But, um, you know, I, I think that's really what's happening is that it, it just forces us to take a look at what's going on with ourselves and change is a really hard thing. And people have to be, ready for it, make a decision for it. And everyone's got very different threshold of what will cause that final push or that motivation. Some people call it a rock bottom. I don't think it has to be always so negative like that, but what is the motivation? And it's so different for everyone. You know, it's so personal. So we, sometimes we can't understand why we're so motivated. How can my husband not be, or my wife not be, how can they not see that? It's like, well, it's kind of bigger than that. You know, it's, yeah, it's challenging like everything we do when we change our food. Yes. And I think too, if let's say you decide I'm, I'm going to be healthier, you're making this announcement and people are dealing, dealing with it maybe negatively or in a way that you didn't really want. I think what's important is to remember in that moment, this is their stuff. 
and have compassion for them, not in a judgmental way, but that they're, they're coming from a different place and just know Mm -hmm. that everyone's coming from their own, their own point of view. And it's, um, for someone who's constantly the giver, that can be really hard because you want to like, it's almost like this natural reaction to kind of buy into their way of seeing things or, or almost feeling bad about a decision that you've made, but just being confident in the decision you made and just noticing that if other people do have a negative reaction, having compassion for them because they're just, they're, they have their perspective, whatever that is, you know, and it's not your responsibility to change their, their philosophy of food, but just do what you do. And, and if you inspire them, awesome. If you don't awesome too, they're, they, they have the right, they have their freedom just as you had the freedom to decide to be healthier. Yeah. And I think, um, there's a couple of other things going on there too. Like number one is to consistently challenge ourselves to not judge what other people are doing because we, even if it's somebody very, very close to us, we never know what they're dealing with mentally, Mm -hmm. emotionally, physically. Um, you know, we just don't know. And so the best I've, you know, I have some tips on how to best sort of invite or encourage friends and family. Um, judgment is definitely not going to be one of them. And honestly, proselytizing or even like, you know, this just a word choice that you may, but even like announcing the change, you may or may not have to do that. Like if it's within your own household and you want to make a statement for accountability or just to let folks know in your house, for example, I think that's fair. Um, if it's a, you know, everyone you meet, you know, like the joke about CrossFit, (laughs) like you don't have to like try and figure out where CrossFitters are. They'll tell you they're a CrossFitter, you know? So, um, let's not do that with the paleo thing. Like, let's not have it be a badge that we wear, like, you know, on paleo and everybody has to know it. And I think, you know, I think in the long run, people will be glad if they don't do that because in hindsight, I think a lot of us remember our beginning months year in this whole process. And, we probably were a, li- a little bit more obnoxious than we should have been, right? Like we probably <laughs> shouted it for more mountaintops and it was really necessary. And quite frankly, you know, I don't eat strict paleo at this point. I eat yeah. white rice. Um, I eat some gluten-free pasta and I feel good with it. You know, I don't have a diagnosed health condition that requires me not to eat that way. I don't have a specific reaction. And, and I'm somebody who likes to encourage that process more than create dogma and more rules around things. And so I think, um, that's really important. So, I mean, I can give you some of the tips that I have for sort of inviting people to try it and give it a whirl. So, Mm -hmm. um, the first one is really to be the change, right? So instead of just kind of talking about it, you realize that if there's one thing that's going to motivate people around you, it's just watching you live what you believe in day in and day out. And, you know, talking means nothing without action. So, Mm when you let people see you put the changes into place and you maintain them, it sends a really powerful message. You know, you show them that not only is change possible, but exactly how to make it happen and how to maintain it. Because it's easy to say you should do this, but if you're just living it and they see that this isn't so hard or it's not that big of a deal. Um, And one of the biggest objections of course, is that it is hard. So when you show people how easy it can be, and especially when you're living kind of side by side with them, so they see it in the context of, your world, not some social media perfect, or this is like a paleo blogger who look, a lot of us are home. We have time to cook three meals a day. Not everybody does, you know? Um, and so I think that that's a really important way to help people. I think it's important to keep a positive attitude and look at the results that you're seeing rather than dwelling on limitations or moments of stress, especially if there are people around you who are 
naysayers or you're trying to get them on board. And I think that that actually helps us stay positive and stay focused and motivated, you know, instead of being like, well, I kind of have a headache today. Let's not, it's not to say we don't want to be realistic and observe those things um, or ignore things that might, you know, if you've got a headache for a month, that might be a problem, (laughs) but you know, let's not complain about little things here and there because honestly, nobody wants to hear people complain. And also it it is part of the process, you know, sometimes changing your nutrition will lead to that. Totally. Um, So the second tip is not to preach, which I mentioned before, and um, it's tough to do that sometimes, but I think it's important to remember that, look, paleo or a certain supplement or even, you know, a sugar detox or whatever it's going to be is never the great panacea of all that ails the world. And I think that the longer you're in this community and the longer you're doing this work, the more you learn that that's true. And paleo is not the only way to be healthy. There's not one way of eating. That's the only way to be healthy. So I think remembering like we're all different. We've got a different constitution. Like, yes, we're all human. And there's certain biochemical processes that for the most part work the same in everyone. We know that that's not even true of everything, right? Some people Mm -hmm. with like gene mutations and whatnot, just don't process things the same way. So, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize how little, you know, and so I think you'll look back and be glad that you didn't preach about it, but you just kind of were a quiet resource for people. Yes, totally. I love (laughs) it. You're like, amen. Amen, girl. And then, okay. So yeah, go go for it. I was going to ask you, I wanted to ask more about kids, but I know that you'll get into it. Okay. I've got that. So let me give you my two other things that I want to point out, which I think folks who have read my stuff kind of know, um, some of this is what I already say, but avoid paralyzing others with paleo perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Right. So out of the gate, if you're trying to explain paleo to someone and your explanation includes, you know, 10 uber strict rules that someone now feels totally paralyzed by. I met, um, I met a girl working at a Lululemon who said that it sounded great to do paleo and all of that, but she just, she couldn't make it happen because she couldn't afford grass fed everything and organic everything. And it honestly, it spurred me to write the blog post a few years ago asking, are you paralyzing others with paleo perfectionism? Because I asked her where she heard that that's what she had to do to go paleo. And it was a friend or something like that, which is fine. I don't, you know, I, it's just so common that that's the way that we communicate what this is all about. And so I think it's important to, um, you know, do something like give them a copy of practical paleo and let them see what it's all about and help provide the information, but don't, you know, shove every local farm and farmer's market and perfect food option in their face as if this is the way you have to do it or it's wrong or, you know, you're not going to get healthier. It won't work because that's really not true. And let them know that you're there as a resource. And if they want more information, they can ask you and just kind of be ready for that. And then the last point, which is kind of just on the heels of the previous one, is just making it easier on them. So like I said, to get them a copy of you know, Practical Paleo or point them to my website if you know they don't want to have a book or whatever the case may be, just be that resource. And you'll find that when people are ready, they will come to you and open up. And that's when the time is right. I mean, this even just happened recently with my mom who um, you know, she's had, uh, high triglycerides, who knows for how long and on and off. And, you know, it's been something, sorry, mom, to air your blood work information, but it, you know, look years ago when the doctor said she had high cholesterol, it was like, I didn't know anything about this stuff, but I was trying to encourage and support her. And we're like, don't eat the shrimp, you know, it's high in cholesterol. And we didn't, we didn't know anything about this stuff, but now that I do, and she actually, 
said something to me about it at this point, I was like, okay, here are some resources. Here are some things you can do. Um, and kind of met her where she is and she's been doing great. She's feeling good. She's lost some excess weight and she's excited to go get blood work again in another couple of months and just see what the progress is. And so, you know, imagine how hard that is for me. And I'm sure, you know, it's the same for you, right? Like if you have people around you who you want to help, it literally the half a million people I help not to devalue that, but are less important than my mom. You know what I mean? Like if my mom can make a change and I can help her, then that's the most important thing. Right. So, um, so that's kind of, that's kind of it on the helping your uh, friends and family and encouraging them and all of that. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And it's like, you know, like I said in the beginning, you know, food should never be something that separates people or creates anxiety or angst for someone or, or have you feel like you need to be perfect. Mm. It's not what it's about. It's about, you know, bringing in these health promoting lifestyle changes that are going to help you to be the best version of you and to have everything in your life that you want and to feel at ease in your body and have energy. And that's what this is all about and spread the love too to other people. If it's something that they are open to, you know, and that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And it's always a process. Yes, it is a process. Little by little changes. There's no perfectionism to it. Um, now let's say it's a mom who decided to go paleo and she's feeling awesome and her husband is kind of like not totally on board and the kids are grumbling about it and they don't want to eat that way. How do you deal with that situation? <laughs> so a lot of this is based on feedback I've had over the years from lots of parents and couples and all of that. So, um, because it's not my personal situation, I have to share these stories yeah. and, um, you know, share some approaches that I've been given as having worked for lots of people. Um, but I will say this before we get into anything about kids, when it comes to a spouse, this is my tough love because look, I'm from the East coast. We do not sugarcoat things. Um, Mm-hmm. unless your spouse is physically incapacitated, which I'm putting that caveat out there because there's going to be somebody who says, well, you know, my husband is in a wheelchair or, you know, has this problem physically that he can't be in the kitchen or work at the stove or whatever the case may be. Okay. So putting that aside, because it's not most people, your husband is an adult, your wife is an adult, your spouse is an adult who is responsible for themselves. And it is amazing, awesome, great when we can work together and support one another and make each other's meals and do that together and eat the same things. But if they're going to be resistant and not at least open to eating what you've cooked or, you know, you offer them some options, you know, maybe there's three things you'd be fine eating and you let them choose from that. If they're totally resistant to all of it, they're an adult, they're responsible for themselves, show them the stove, show them the fridge and let them have at it. Like, you are not responsible for consistently feeding that adult who's capable and able of feeding themselves. Frankly, like that's my zero tolerance for um, the victim in that situation, you know, cause they're making themselves a victim when it's not really true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's important that we're loving and caring and supportive of our spouse, like a hundred percent. Scott and I are always that way with each other, but I just don't have tolerance for it. If somebody, if he didn't want to eat what I'm eating, which sometimes he doesn't want to eat fish. If I'm eating fish, okay, good. Make your own lunch. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, um, you know, so in the absence of uh, inability physically, 
physically, because barring that we're capable. Um, so when it comes to, um, when it comes to kids, look, this can be a challenge. And there are folks out there who have kids who've talked about this transition a bunch. I know Sarah Fergoso was like one of the first ones to really be talking about it. Um, even with her book, Everyday Paleo, which was actually the first paleo cookbook to come out. She was talking about it then. And I know, uh, Jennifer Robbins has a new book. Um, it's a paleo cookbook, paleo kids cookbook. And I'm sure she talks a lot about that there too, as well. So lots of bloggers who I would definitely say, go see what they're talking about. But, um, in the meantime, depending on how old your kids are, right? So if you've got kids who are pretty young and most of what they're eating is kind of under your roof or you're sending them to school with lunch and, you know, kind of hoping for the best, right. That they're eating what you're giving them. Um, you really have to be focused on what you can control and not be focused on what you can't control. That's kind of like a first step, but, um, when they have the wherewithal and the, and are of the right age to let them choose recipes from cookbooks. So flip through, you know, practical paleo, ask them what looks good to them. They may or may not be making choices that are logical and sensical in your meal plan, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're choosing some random like side dish or something like that, but empower them to help make that choice. Um, you know, we can get them involved at the grocery store, especially little kids who might not be able to help in the kitchen yet, which is going to be the the next tip, but have them pick a vegetable or a fruit that's new to them or that they just like, or want to try and get them involved. And I think the number one overarching thing that all parents have said is the best way to get their kids eating differently is to get them involved. And it's not always easy from the start. Some kids are going to naturally be more excited about cooking and food than others. Um, some, you know, schools we've seen out there are starting gardens and getting kids involved with that. Inevitably, anything we do in life, like the more empowerment we give to an individual, the more excitement they'll have about it, the more yeah. they'll feel, right, they'll feel responsible, they'll feel, I mean, the same thing with, um, when we change our food, the reason why people change their food and then go on to change so many other things is now they're so empowered. They're like, mm-hmm. I did this. I feel awesome. It yielded this great result. And so what else can I do? And so I think that it it does a lot for kids, even beyond getting them to eat better. If you get them involved in the kitchen and they learn that they can do something like that and they can help make their food and make that choice and have a positive result, it's going to empower them for so many other things. So I think getting them towards, um, you know, picking recipes from books. Look, honestly, Practical Paleo has very few treats in it. There's a handful in the back of the book and they are not like the sweetest, gooeyest, stickiest things ever. (laughs) So even if your kid is picking treats from Practical Paleo, I promise you they're pretty darn healthy. Um, We're talking, you know, avocado chocolate mousse. We're talking Mm. like a fruit crumble, things like that. I don't have the sticky, gooey caramel. I don't know how to make that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So Practical Paleo, you know, it's a good place to start, but, um, and like I said, at the grocery store and then, and look, you might not know what to do with the kohlrabi that they pick out because it looks cool in the store or some food, Google it. Like, it's not a big deal. We all get weird things in a CSA. Sometimes we don't know what to do with them, but give them the chance. Don't say no. If they pick something that you don't know what to do with it, um, just, just let it happen. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Unless they're trying to pick an ostrich egg, that's like 50 bucks. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I love that. I think that's yeah, but, and give them Yeah, and give them tasks in the kitchen too. Like if they're really small, let them tear lettuce. Um, let them break things, you know, in, in the food that will help you put something together, even if it's gonna like 
make the meal take a little longer, but getting them involved definitely helps. Oh yeah, completely. Cause then they can't say no to that meal. It's right. It's like they, they had a part in that. So, you know, they're, they're they're responsible for that food. So they're going to eat it most likely. Yeah. And I think, um, one thing I've read too, and have heard from lots of parents is that, uh, one of the reasons why kids don't eat things is that they're like, afraid that they're being tricked by it or that they think there's something in it that they aren't sure about or like they, they just don't know what it is. And so as soon as you diffuse that bomb, like right. you saw exactly what went in here, you picked a bunch of it. Um, that just changes the whole story. And so, you know, I'm not saying that every kid is going to be like a perfect scenario here, but this is the best we can do. So mm-hmm. Those are, those are kind of the best tips. Is there any, is there like one particular meal in your book, uh, or a particular food that it's a good one to start with for kids who tend to be finicky eaters and don't really like to eat very healthy? Um, I think what I've heard goes pretty, goes over pretty well with people. Um, the bolognese, Mm -hmm. the spaghetti squash bolognese, because it looks pretty much like something they're used to, like spaghetti and meatballs or spaghetti and meat sauce. Yeah. Um, in the new updated edition, I have some smoothies. One of them uses some coffee, so I wouldn't recommend that one, but you can definitely try some smoothies that are, you know, honestly, I think using fruit smoothies that are in the book as like a dessert option Mm -hmm. for kids where, you know, you can freeze it into ice pops. I don't think I even mentioned this in the book because I don't literally have space on the page once everything's in there. It's like, I've got more to say and I don't have any more pages. Um, but you can freeze those into ice pops. You can use it, make it in the evening and, you know, divvy it up between your kids. It doesn't have to be a full glass adult portion. You know, they can have a little few ounces of it as their like fruit milkshake or whatever. Um, I'm saying that with like finger quotes, right? Um, I think those are some good ones, but I've had tons of parents tell me all different recipes that their kids love. There's, there's some meatballs in the book that kids always love. Um, there's most of the recipes are honestly pretty kid friendly. I don't have tons of spicy things in the book. Um, and I do have a new, a new way of tagging all of the recipes. They've got little icons and there's one now that says family friendly. So for example, things that are spicy, if you make them as written are not going to be what I would call family friendly. Of course, Mm -hmm. some kids like spicy foods, but you know, for the most part. So, um, look for that little family friendly tag and that should help you guys find, um, some more kid friendly recipes. That is such a good idea to put smoothies into an ice pop to make a popsicle. Like that's so obvious, but I've never thought about that. <laughs> I, I used to like not finish a whole blender's worth of a smoothie. So then I would stick it in the freezer in a little cup and then spoon it out and eat it kind of like ice cream. Yeah. And I mean, this is what the crazy healthy people do, right? Where you're like, <laughs> no, it's not really ice cream, Diane. Like, you know, normal people don't mistake your smoothie for ice cream. But I think if you, you know, if you present it in a certain way, all about the presentation. <laughs> totally. That's cool. Um, we talked a little bit about how to deal with haters, but anything, <laughs> anything else about that? Like people who are just kind of hating on your, on your decision. Maybe you haven't put it out there, you know, like you haven't put it as a big Facebook post or anything, but just right. people who like to give their opinions and stuff. How do you deal with that? So I have a whole section, um, in the new book on dealing with unsupportive friends and family. Mm-hmm. And what I do is actually kind of go through, let me see how many scenarios I have. I think I have four different scenarios here mm-hmm. because it, the overarching, they kind of cover most of what's happening. So sometimes you get the person who's concerned about your health 
or they think the paleo diet's really unhealthy, you know, quote, all that fat or all that meat or whatever they say. And, um, I mean, I can, I can go through these different scenarios or I can give, you can maybe give like, yeah, however much you want to share. That's, I think it's super helpful. Okay, cool. So really what happens with each of these scenarios is I kind of detail what they say and then what it means (laughs) because I think in this case, what people are saying isn't really what they mean, which is kind of unfortunate, but then I kind of give you how to handle it. So in this case, what I think this person means is that this way of eating flies in the face of everything they think they know about good nutrition and they don't understand how it could be healthy. Mm -hmm. Like that's the real honest truth. No matter how belligerently it might come across, if that's a word, um, (laughs) it's a lack of understanding of really what this is all about. And I think it's important not to um, become overly defensive in any of these situations, but you have to just assure your loved one that you've done your homework and, um, you know, you understand that it sounds out there compared to what we've been taught, but you're just focused on eating real whole foods. There's no reason to worry. And, you know, you can let them know that you're eating plenty of vegetables and fresh foods. And if you're feeling anything less than amazing, you'll reconsider, you know? So I think that just, again, diffuses it. That's kind of a big, (laughs) the big word that I use a lot, diffusing, diffusing the bomb, because people just put so much energy and emotion into these things that are actually not the thing that they're upset about. Um, and so they're kind of focusing it on your food choice when really it doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. So here's another one that might happen. Um, what do you mean you don't want a piece of I don't know, bread, pie, whatever? I made it just for you. Like, oh, this is a big one, right? With your grandma, or your aunt, or your mom. And what it really means is that they're upset or confused because they made this thing and you aren't eating it. And it makes them feel like you don't love them or need them or value their effort. Like how crazy that the thing that people say is so veiled from what they really mean. Right. I mean, this is is like how people are. We don't want to say how we really feel. So we say this other thing that kind of puts, puts the pressure on you when really it is, Again, nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing. Like if you're on a holiday or, you know, this comes up a lot with Thanksgiving and somebody made your favorite pie or whatever it is, or your birthday, if the food isn't one, um, if it's not one that you can eat without having ill effects, then you have to handle the situation, I think, best preemptively. Like saying something ahead of time before your grandmother makes this like coconut layer cake that used to be your favorite, you know, letting her know maybe there's a recipe you found that, look, this is tough because it's probably an old family recipe. But if you let her know that something isn't making you feel good these days and you would still love for her to be able to make it and if she wants to do it so that you can still enjoy it. Here's a couple recipes she you found and let her know, you know, what the ingredients are that you really can't have in the old one. You know, that approach will show her that, you know, something that she loves to make you is still something that you care that she tries to make. But um, if she's not open to changing the recipe, then just simply let her know that you've always loved the cake and you're doing something for your health right now and ask her to respect that. And, you know, let her know that you won't be able to have it this year. I think... I think this just really challenges all of us to say what we need to say. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of folks are 
not comfortable doing that. So for years, people have asked me, like, how do I deal with it? I'm like, I just say what I need to say because that's my personality. Yeah. And I'm very unapologetic about most things I do. I don't, I don't care that you don't like or accept it because I'm very confident in myself and I'm not concerned that it upsets you. Like, yeah. For what, for what it's worth, that's my personality, but it's not most people and that's fine. So I'm just trying to kind of, kind of give people ways to move through this and be delicate about it. Cause I'm not delicate. I'm mm-hmm. just like, okay, I and don't I, care. <laughs> and I think just when you really think about it, is their impression of you as important as you feeling great and being healthy? I mean, really, it's like when you really look at it well, for what it is. Yeah. 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 And I think also... Um, something happens when you stand up for yourself too. And when you also shift the focus from you eating this cake means you love your grandma to no, you just love your grandma. Your love is not conditional. It's not, I mean, I don't think I detailed all of this in the book, but this conversation could be weeks long. Mm -hmm. Like this is not what it's about. And, you know, so many other things to think about. Like maybe you realize that your grandma's love language is acts of service and she loves to do things for you. And so, or it's gifts and she loves to give you things. And this cake is her giving you this thing. So finding a way to help satisfy that for her. I mean, it's just like a bigger conversation, right? But the truth is, the truth is that we just need to either handle it gracefully if we can, and you can eat the cake and you're just choosing not to eat gluten, for example. Um, and you want to just deal with it or follow these tips and use some of this language that I'm giving folks right in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, so here's another one. Um, like, why aren't you eating the bread? It's just so good. It's always been your favorite. So taking it away from like this emotional grandma situation, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) This is really common, like if you're out with your friends, right? And you're, you're at dinner and you're turning down the bread right before dinner, which I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. Or even the tortilla chips or something like that. Really what it means is that they don't understand why you've changed and your choices make them feel uncomfortable and insecure about their own choices. Yeah. So this goes back to what I was saying about not judging people and just letting people do what they do. And I think it's it's almost natural that when we somehow feel like we're doing something better for ourselves, we start to feel like we are better than other people and that's dangerous and it's Mm -hmm. a very slippery slope. Um, so I think, you know, first know that when people comment on your choices, more reflection, how they feel about their own choices, of course. And a good friend would really recognize that growth is a part of life and respect that you've made a choice for yourself to change, whether it's just for now or if it's for the long term, and leave it at that. But if you feel the need to explain yourself, you can have a simple sentence or two in mind as a response. Some ideas are like, I've been avoiding gluten lately as a test, and I've noticed that I don't get those crazy headaches anymore, or whatever your thing was, right? For me, I used to get sinus infections all the time, so that's a really good one for me to mention. Um, or you could say, like, I've uh, decided to try avoiding sugar for a while, and I've been feeling really good. My energy's been so much better. I think I'm going to stick with it. Stuff like that, you know, it, it's very... Um, it's like a very PC way to say it. It's not like I'm, I'm paleo now. So I don't do that anymore. Like that language is so much more aggressive and I'm better than you versus I'm trying to make a choice that feels good for me. Right. Make it about yourself, not about them. 
Um, and then, or, you know, remember that acne I used to struggle with. Well, since I eliminated grains, I've had much clearer skin. It's made me feel a lot better. Like no one can argue with you feeling better. Right. right? <laughs> so I think when you put the focus back on that, that really helps. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so here's the last one. Like you might have people who say eating paleo or gluten free or whatever is a fad. Most people aren't really allergic to gluten. It's silly to eliminate it unless you have celiac disease. So what they really mean is I think what you're doing seems pointless or overly unnecessarily rigid. Um, or they could mean that sounds hard and I don't think I could do it. So instead I'm going to criticize what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, some people, this could be what they're, what they're really thinking. And again, this goes back to focusing on how you feel and letting them know that, um, the way of eating, like the way it's named as paleo, for example, is really less important than how you feel. And I think, again, just focusing it back on how you're feeling and, you know, remember that difficult situations happen to everyone. We need to be prepared for this stuff, but you can handle it and avoid being argumentative, you know, calmly shift the conversation to other topics Mm. whenever you can. And pick your battles, like make some concessions, try not to be that paleo perfectionist, avoid hot button topics, um, yeah. you know, bring a dish to a party. So you're not just standing there, not eating. Right. Uh, there's so much, there's so much I can go into it, but I think that, you know, I think giving people this support, you know, through this like new section of the book will really help them kind of go back to it and, and just remember what to focus on, you know? Yeah. I love, I love keeping it focused on how you're feeling and your experience and not about the principles. I think that's awesome. You know, that's that's huge. No one can argue with that. And also too, just have fun with it too. Keep humor alive with it. It's not this regimented, (laughs) I have these rules now and this is how I eat and that's it. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had naysayers in my family. I've got like an aunt who just is like very into medical things. And so to her, if it's not a medically diagnosed allergy, it's crazy. And I'm like, well, all right. like you do you, I'm yeah, going to do right. me. It's all good. <laughs> like, I just avoid the conversation and, you know, I'll hear her from across the table talking smack and right. I just ignore her. Like I am not getting involved in that conversation. It's honestly has nothing to do with me, yeah. you know? So it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. No need to get upset about it. Well, I think these, especially just the, the individual scenarios, that's super helpful. Cause I think most people who, who do eat well and put importance on this, they can relate to one, if not all of them. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Super helpful. Well, Diane, I love this topic. I love you being on my show. I love everything we've been talking about. And I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to touch on. Um, any other parting words? We kind of flew through this interview. <laughs> I know I'm pretty chatty, huh? You, you'd think that I had a podcast or something. I know, um, right? No, I mean, I just want to encourage people to, you know, just kind of chill out with all this stuff and yeah. keep learning. And hopefully, you know, I think the more we learn, the more we realize, like I said before, we don't know. And so it's important to just focus on what you're doing for yourself and do the best you can to encourage people around you when they, when they're, ready to do things, but not to push too hard or be too aggressive with any of it. Because I think, you know, in the end, you just, you want to be a loving, supportive person to your friends and family. And I think that that can be really challenging. And, um, 
you know, I do feel for people who are in a situation where they have an unsupportive spouse, because I know for a lot of people, you know, I'm fortunate that I met my husband already, you know, he was already eating paleo, gluten-free, whatever. And so was I. And so that's very fortunate, but it's not by accident either. You know what I mean? And for some folks, maybe they were both eating vegan years ago and they connected over that. And now you want to change and your spouse doesn't like, it is a big deal, but we have to just do the best we can and try and remember, you know, what's really important to us. And I think that it is really hard when it comes to our spouse, especially because we feel very strongly that, you know, if they're doing something that we're not sure is truly healthy, then it's upsetting. I think it's deeply upsetting if, if your spouse is eating fast food and, you're just, you feel like that's, it says it's, it's impacting you, right? Because it's their health and you want them to live longer. Like that's all it's about. And I totally understand that. I mean, I've felt that way with my parents for a long time. They eat really well, but sometimes I'm like, really (laughs) that thing. But over time, I think you just have to learn to let certain things go and just be there to be supportive. And eventually, you know, when someone's ready, they'll come to you and and you can be a resource for them or, you know, point them to websites and whatnot um, to read some more and, and kind of get that help. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of it. And I, you know, hopefully with this uh, new edition of the book, all the folks out there who already have it can kind of get re-excited about just approaching things in this way mm-hmm. and not feeling like it has to be so aggressive all the time. And, you know, I think if folks come find me like on Instagram or whatever, you guys will see, I don't, I don't post things that are super strict all the time. I post a treat. If I'm eating a treat, I mean, obviously I don't post every whim that I have on Instagram. (laughs) Most of it's posted to Snapchat. That's for sure. (laughs) Right. Um, But I do think that, you know, I, I try to be an example in that way of not here's what a picture of perfect paleo is. Here's, here's what it looks like in real life. Here's how I really live. And, um, I think that that's really, that's really an important thing to kind of, um, encourage folks on, but yeah. What's your Snapchat name for people who want to follow you? <laughs> it's just my name altogether is one word, uh, Diane Sanfilippo. It's tough to find sometimes, but if you're on Instagram and you, and you search the hashtag Diane snaps, or I think we link to it from my website somewhere. So mm-hmm. go to balancebikes.com. You can, you can find it. Yeah. It's not just weird like that. You can't just find people randomly. You have to be very specific. Yeah. Snapchat needs to change that. Cause I'll see people looking at all mine and I don't know who they are. And I feel like I know half of them, but it's just the username mm-hmm. thing. It's just weird, but yeah. So my, yeah. my Snapchat is a uh, healthy low for you guys who want to follow what I'm up to. And it's fun stuff. I feel like you really get to know someone when you watch their Snapchat, don't mm-hmm. you? <laughs> I do. And that's one of the reasons why I like it so much because I, I feel like you and I are similar in this way where we have our like teaching moments where yeah. we're like, Dr. Low, right. you know, you're Dr. Low. And then sometimes you're just low, you know, right. it's the weekend and totally. you know, you're having fun. And, and I don't think that it's any reason to devalue the message that people have. I think it's important to see that we're not one dimensional, that we're people. And there are days where I've laid in bed for four hours because I needed to recover. And I hope that people see that as like, you know, this is the example. If people are looking to me as an example, don't come looking for perfection. Right. But it's my, my version of perfection. Like I have no qualms about the way I live my life. So, you know, if somebody wants to see what I do, that's the best place to see it. Cause yep. it's, it's the most, it's the most invasive form of social media. Totally. That's for sure. My, 
I can't say Scott loves it. <laughs> it's our own individual reality show, pretty much. It kind of is. Oh my god! In like what is it, ten or fifteen second yep. snippets? You know. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. And I share everything from little dumb things my pets are doing because who can resist? I mean, I love watching Dinah on yours. But, <laughs> uh, you know, throughout the day, at least at least once a day, I'm sure I share some kind of cooking tip of just like, here's how I do this and yeah. show you how I'm doing it. And to me, that's such an easy way. I don't have enough time and space in a book, in an Instagram post, anywhere. But if I'm this is my actual life, I'm going to yeah. show you this morning. I seared some tuna. You know, it's like, here's how I do it. Uh-huh. You know, in 30 seconds, you can watch it and you're good to go. That's cool. I really like it. I I think it's fun. Yeah. Awesome, girl. I'm so glad I got to get you back on the show and I'm so excited for your, your, your book, your new book that's coming out. And just thank you so much for all the hard work you do. You work your butt off and you're helping so many people around the world. So thank you for doing all of that and just being freaking awesome. Thank you. I can't wait to have you back on our show. We're going to talk or on our show. I think you've been on it before. I don't know. I don't know if I have. I think we've tried to schedule it like four times. So that might be my first appearance coming up. I don't know. I feel like when I looked in the archives, but I know we're going to bring you on our show soon. So your listeners can look out for that in the next coming probably couple of months or so, whenever we can carve out some time to get together and and have you talk with us. Looking forward to it. Love it. Well, give my love to Scott and to the the poochie and the kitty and um, have an awesome rest of your day and we will talk soon. Thank you so much. Always fun chatting. All right. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I so appreciate it. I hope you got a lot of fun little tips and tidbits with this show today. It's really just like hanging out with us on the air. So hopefully you enjoyed yourself. I hope you guys have a great, wonderful rest of your week. And again, if you've been listening to the show and getting some value out of it, I'd love if you could head over to iTunes and leave me a review and five stars would be wonderful. They make my day And it really does help with the ratings for the show. So more and more people hear about our show and it spreads the message of natural medicine and nutrition and just holistic health for people to know that these are options for them. I mean, a lot of people don't even know about this stuff. So you got to get the word out there. So thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll check you guys next week. Bye. North Pole Hotline. Help. My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusion supplies. See stores for details. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.